Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. So, since the middle of the 19th century, when the modern sporting world was created, the big thing that separated these new modern sports from the way people played in previous centuries was an agreed written rule book. This involves, and still involves, everything rules for how to be a member of a club or how to enter a team in a competition or the rules by how games are refereed. And the ideal from the beginning was that everyone, no matter where you played your game, would know the agreed rules, would be clear about them, and that they would be applied without fear or favour. Now, there was one massive problem, and that problem remains with this ideal. And it's humans. First of all, humans bend rules to try and win matches. Second of all, more than bend them, humans break rules to try and win matches. Thirdly, humans don't bother too much with knowing the rules in the first place because feeling them or kind of knowing them or getting the gist of them appears to be enough. And fourthly, those humans who apply the rules are unfortunately, well, human. So they make mistakes or they get emotional, or they miss things, or they simply do silly things. And it all then turns into one big traveling circus where more humans who are disappointed or angry or otherwise affected then get involved, and they do, and they say things that they probably shouldn't and probably later regret, or maybe they don't regret them, but some will at least regret them. And that's how sport works, or at least it's how the GEA worked last weekend, it was, to put it mildly, a very colourful weekend for the GEA rulebook and for Gaelic football rules in particular. Today on the Irish Examiner Gaelic football show in partnership with Alliance, we're going to be talking about sendings off and other controversial decisions. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Mayo footballer manager James Horn, by the former Kerry footballer Brian Sheehan and by Morris Brosnan of the Irish Examiner. James, I want to start with you. Have you ever read the rulebook? Have I ever read the rule book? Um, Forget I've, football. I, <laughs> I've read sections of it. Uh, I, I would say small sections, but have I sat down and read what 160 pages of stuff? No, no, absolutely not. But but there's there's you know you go through it. There's a few there's a few key key areas you know that that sort of constantly come up in 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 games. You you know so technical fouls or aggressive fouls or you know what whatever it is so so you you sort of zone in on those sections and you get you get familiar with those and have a good and have maybe what you think is a good idea but it's funny when the when in the heat of battle when when stuff happens you you know when you're challenging something it's it's you got to go back there and read the rules again because um you know unless you're looking at them every day you can you can forget some of the some of the minor details so um look the the, the rules are the weekend that we've had but not alone the weekend that we've had the rules in general, the application of the rules and the consistency of the application of the rules in GA is an absolute minefield, in, 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 in my opinion. 
Um, it depends let's take on one rule. Well, we take one rule. Let's let's take the steps rule because you were writing about it at the weekend for the examiner. Just just talk about the steps rule first of all. Yeah, I I, I think there's a there's a huge issue with the application of the steps steps rule. You, you know, everyone knows the four steps and a hop, a hop or or, or solo whatever it is. But you go to I'd wager you any game at the weekend. Um, and you watch it, there be multiple examples. I mean, multiple in double digits, I would say, of, of, of examples where, where, where people have, have not, not followed the rule, as in the four steps, that there's been six steps, eight steps. I'd, I'd say the average is probably six to eight steps at this stage. Yeah. Um, of, 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 and I think there's, a, there's lots of stuff going on. And it's, it's, it's so difficult for refs. And I'm not, I'm not a, a ref basher at all. The refs in Gaelic have an impossible job. 30 people on a huge pitch going at faster than it's ever been played at in, in, in the history of the game. And they're trying to, we've introduced a load of rules to just confuse everyone. And they're trying to, they're trying to ref it. And they have a crowd that are baying for blood at every game. So it's, it's, I, 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 I have the ultimate respect for referee, but the application is, is uh, say of the steps is, 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 is crazy. And I think there's a few, there's a few things going on. I think the pace you know, a ref trying to count steps with, with 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 the pace and the contact and you know a tackle and the fella comes out of it, etc. It's difficult to do. I think I think the advantage rule has definitely confused things a little bit. Um, yeah, I do. You you know, so just just maybe open up to the lads. It'd be interested in their thoughts. So a guy is going through. We take the Rhino Dunhu example at, at the weekend. You know, I just thought thought it was a good one. Um, Say he's tackled or foul on his fourth step, right? So the ref puts up his, his hand for the advantage rule. You know, the ref has five seconds or whatever for, for, for that. Ryan has got through on his fourth step, if you like. But on the fifth step, he's technically fouled the ball. So the ref should blow. Straight away, he should blow. Yeah, should blow and get back, back to for the free. free. Yeah. There isn't a ref. Can you imagine in Castlebar if the you know Ryan is through and goal on the fifth step, and the ref blows him for taking the fifth step after he's been fouled and he's through and goal to come back for the free? There'd be he, you know, all fifteen thousand six hundred people in Castlebar would be would, would be up in arms. So the refs are in a in a crazy situation there. If they apply the rule as it should be in every game, they're going to be lynched. Um, so, so I don't know how that, like I'd say the majority of people would think that if he's taken four steps and he's fouled and he's through, you let him take sort of another four steps. It's almost like there's a reset. Yeah, it's a reset. It's expected, isn't it? And it's psychologically for a referee. And there, they, say, they do it. There's arguments, the length and breadth of, of bars in the country, you know, about, about, about that. But by my understanding of the rule, again, the guys here might have better, is that if you take that fifth step, that it should be, it should be, uh, it's a foul, so it goes back to the original free that was there, so that so the guy can can take the free. Uh, but again, just looking at some of the games, the amount of steps in general play that are being taken, I, I I just think needs to be, it needs to be it reset. I suppose to use the word. I had um I had a, the the good fortune this afternoon to check some of these things with a friend of mine, who I um I sat beside in in secondary school, who is now a referee or remains a referee, and I rang him and asked him about this. Um, this very question, and he said, "No, strictly by the letter of the law, on the fifth step, it's 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 a foul. You he has to play the ball immediately if he's taken four steps. There is no dispensation. But in the practical application of the rules, you're right. If it 
if it, if you were to do it, lynchings. There would be like, look as as, as James was said there, like the problem I think here is if you have a fella that's traveling at pace and he's taking steps or he's you know, maybe going around the fella, you could possibly pull him for for carrying the ball. But the minute you go into contact and you're trying to get out of contact and you're trying to hold on to the ball, you're going to take the extra steps. And as, as James says, if that's going to happen every time. Just, the game's not going to keep flowing. There's going to be a whistle stopping. The game won't get any flow momentum to it. So I think the referees are just allowing the benefit of the doubt here to allow for us to get out of a tackle and to, and to go again. But it, as you say, it's like a reset. It's like going to a tackle. You have your four or five steps taken. You will all go into tackle, take two or three more steps and come out. And then obviously your first instinct is either get rid of the ball or take a play. But I just think, as, as, as James mentioned there, I think that it's a minefield at the moment, the rule book for referees. Like it's just impossible for them to referee the game outside the steps. If you were trying to find the tackle in, in football, it's almost impossible. An open hand, I, I'd, I'd say, rarely into county footballers or an open hand, you was you know genuinely when you're, when, you're, when you're tackling. So, like, I just think it's a minefield at the moment. The rule book for referees with regards to that, yeah, lads when are going with a closed fist to try and dislodge the ball, there, aren't they? There's closed fists, there's, there's contact, there's, there's there's the hand across the, the body to try and stop momentum, there's shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to chest contact. Do you know what I mean? How does a referee ref that and then try and keep it consistent in every game over every weekend that he's refereeing, let alone how every other referee refing different games that weekend is supposed yeah. to keep it consistent? It's, it's impossible. So like I know you look at rugby and it seems to be a very high contact sport, but they seem to have at least a defined tackle from the point of view of from the shoulders down of what's allowed and in relation to what can go on inside and rock. So I don't know. They have a very high contact sport, but yet now I think they're able to police this away more than we are. But I still think the, the, the point being is that Gaelic football is way more quicker, it's way faster, way more movement of the ball. So I think it's a lot more difficult for refs to... Um, implemented and as James said I, I genuinely feel sorry for referees because there are so many different rules going on between trying to count for the steps trying to look inside to see if there's anything going on off the ball trying to see if the ball is kicked from outside the 45 and if it's came for a mark you know it just goes on and as, as like the pace of the game though is frightening you know going from one end of the field to the next and I just think referees they're they're just they're not on a winner they're they're it's no wonder we're actually looking for referees to referee games because it, it's actually near impossible for them. Morris, you were in you were in Castle Bar on Saturday night for Mayo Kerry and you were in uh, Ennis on Sunday for Clare Kildare. W- what was the application of the rules like in either place? Uh, what was the application of the rules like? That's a good question. It was, it was different. It wasn't consistent, I would have said. Um, uh, definitely, it was probably more of a talking point to my mind in on Sunday, particularly because I suppose Claire were on the, were at home on the end of a couple of poor decisions. Um, but even still, like, Paul, could I just from the outset, uh, you know, this probably won't make for the most most sexy podcasting, but I I just do think it's probably worth stressing. Like I my my personal opinion, I I hate conversations about referees and rule books just in general. I totally despair at what it's done to to football punditry, to soccer punditry. I just think it's become it's such a easy, it's lazy analysis now after games where instead of talking about a million other things, we're pointing at graphs and screens, and it's kind of fruitless outrage, and nothing changes, and people keep having the same conversations over and over again. And I do think, so <laughs> despite that, we're kind of having this conversation, and I agree with everything the boys have said over the last ten minutes. But rather than maybe 
fine tune this stuff. Like if we could have maybe a grown up conversation about it, because what I do think happens, I actually think it's counterproductive. Not only do we put a spotlight on referees, we don't necessarily suggest anything that we could change. So rather than I agree, yeah. pinpointing errors, I don't want to go, like, to be honest, I don't want to go and pinpoint mistakes that happened on Sunday because it could do that for any single weekend. So rather than having that conversation, could I maybe kick it on and talk about like, what are the fixes? How do we, how do we solve this problem? And I think there's a couple of really, there's things that we could do overnight that would dramatically improve officiating. Like the first one, you mentioned the rule book there. I don't know how many people have actually read the rule book, but the, the role of a linesman is so incredibly limited within the rule book now. Now, you talk to some referees and they will, there's scope for, for variance to that. But by the, by the letter of the law within the rule book, a linesman is not supposed to bring something to the notice of a referee until there's a break in play unless it's a foul play. But So that's within the, the letter of the law, the wording in the rule book is foul play during a break in play. Now think about how limited that is the scope of that when there's many different things happening on the field all over the side. For example, right, if you take the league and red card at the weekend, by the rule book, the linesman can't say, as the ball is going to be on the field, listen, Derek, you need to pull in league and and tell him to stop back in the mucket and you need to tell Sean Poucher to cop on to himself. If he's going to notify the referee of something that happened behind his back, he has to say it was foul play. That was a bookable offence. And therefore, so the scope of what a linesman can do is so limited. So you, the help that a referee gets in a game is is minuscule by that. So if you fix that overnight, that sort of help would ma- massively improve uh, officiating. I don't know if anybody watched the Super Bowl, lads, in the NFL. But just a small thing that happened after that game was that the officials, they sit down with a pool reporter, one pool reporter, on behalf of all the media. And if they want to, the officials can explain their viewpoint of certain key decisions. So listen, that's why I made this call. That's why I did X, Y, or Z. Now, this stuff happens, like, uh, uh, how do I frame? This, this stuff does happen maybe off the record, like a referee might, but it's it's not or, in any way organized, but you might get worried or right, listen, that's why I sent him off or X, Y, or Z. But if that was, if the referee was given opportunity, I think a lot of referees would like the opportunity to explain. To clarify the what, decisions, yeah. Exactly. And it's just one, I personally, I believe it would have to be a, maybe a national reporter, just given... It can't be anybody who is skin in the game. It can't be somebody representing the locals. I just think if they were, if you gave referee the scope to explain their decisions, again, I think that would be a big help. And then maybe kick it on again. Like this, the small little tweaks you can make. Paul, you suggested a couple of years ago in your column. If I have this wrong now, you can interrupt me. But I think you suggested a two seconds instead of four steps rule. That so base you you put a kind of a, a vague time frame on it because that's what happens at the minute anyway. Like if a guy's moving quickly, you get can I read it. you the rule at the moment? Myself and James were talking about this previously. Here here's the rule: you can carry the ball in the hand for a maximum of four consecutive steps, or held in the hand for no longer than the time needed to take four steps. Which seems to me to there's a bit of vagueness there as well yeah. because the time it takes you to run four steps is a lot slower than it would take me to run four steps, Morris. So like that, 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 that matters, right? So how do you already, you've got a little bit of space to play with. You do. And it probably wasn't as like, as James said earlier, it wasn't as big an issue when I, the the reason this is is highlighted more, I think is because Gaelic football is coming back around to more attack and play. So we're starting to look at the conditions of people say the art of defending is dead. And rather than maybe that, you look at what exactly are the conditions. And one thing that's, Coaches will highlight with you a lot is that it's so hard to coach guys to get a play on a ball unless they're hopping and holding the ball. And if you're letting yeah. guys take more steps, they don't That's get the exactly chance to it. actually Now we're at the nub of the matter. So this is the nub of the matter. James, this is the nub of the matter. If I'm running or you're running at me and you can take nine steps, I'm done, 
right? Because all I can do is wrestle you. I, I can't stop your momentum. I try and put a hand in. The ref is given a free. They're given freeze very quite easily now for hand on contact. Like, what do you do? How do you coach that? Yeah, well, well yeah. If if a guy has, if you if you look at a guy now, he can take that many steps, and he's coming at you at pace. Um, there isn't a whole, you know, you can try and throw him aside. Uh, that's about all you all you can do. If you try and make contact from a stand position, you're 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 gone. He'll he'll blow past your arms, or he he'll just he'll just he'll just swerve around you. You know, so a lot of the art of defending, you know, if you delay, deny, dispossess, all those kind of things, but but really good defenders you can see them you know if a guy is coming at them you can see him reading basing his when to engage on when your man has hopped or when he has soloed so you know a guy is like a guy coming at you if he's just about to solo you know you that's when you can go in and make make contact or you can try and dispossess the ball or whatever because his head is down looking at the you know so there's if he's taken if he's just taken a bounce you can back back because you know he's the three or four steps to be able to get past it that's when you might retreat a little bit so that you can almost wait for the next time he takes a bounce or a solo, if you understand what I mean. So, so there's a lot of things there. Really good defenders will 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 base their engagement time on or their position based based on the hop or the solo. But if if there's so much variability in 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 when a guy can take that, mm-hmm. it's very hard for defenders to to you know to get good contact or get a good tackle in. Yeah, I think I think that's where you get to the the nub of the matter. And you also then though end up with situations like we had at Cork. And I agree with you, Morris. We don't need to get in and make a big controversy about or lamp into a referee who's made a couple of tricky decisions, um, which I think the Maguire one and the Gannon one where, you know, they're they're, they're very, they're, they're controversial decisions. There's no point in saying anything yeah. else. But I, I looked at the rule book on this earlier and you could see the referee signaling three, making the sign three to... Um, to Maguire after being sent off trying to explain the decision. So I read the rule for it. And there is a thing in the rule where if the referee decides that it's charging or you're using a fist or an opponent or you hold an opponent with the hand, the first time it's a warning or you or the second time it's a caution and the third time it's a caution the offender for committing, committing any of the above fouls a second time. So you can basically be gone for two, let alone three of those things, as he explained his decision. And that, to me, is it lives in the margin. Now, I'm not trying to defend that decision, but I'm just saying there's an ambiguity around those rules where you can see, on reading the rule book, I could see where the referee was coming from. I'm not saying I agree with the decision, but I could see what his logic was. But if you, but if you apply that logic to the Getty football, you, you would finish five aside. Oh, great. Oh, oh, no, I'm not, I completely You know, agree. like, there has to be some common sense with regards to that the weekend. I mean, I just look, again, without going into town, I think we all know it, it was an incorrect decision. But if we are literally applying the letter of the law when it comes to the tackle, what is the letter of the law when it comes to the tackle? I genuinely don't know. Because you have one instance where you're allowed in some games to go for like a free-for-all, where, especially when it comes to championship, when you kind of come into crop Park. Yeah. Tackling, you get away with a lot, lot more than what you get away with in the league at the moment. Um, and I think that's what that's generally what happens throughout the season. When you start off in the league, referees are trying to set their authority, trying to clamp down as opposed when you come to the championship and you go to Crow Park, all the rest, everyone wants to see the game flowing. They don't want to be blowing, blowing whistles. And the contact and the physicality of the contact just goes up a notch and up a notch. So if you were to referee that game by the letter of the law, like you, you, there'll be fellas booked set off 
for every three tackles. You know, especially you can imagine some floating in the middle of the third, you know, from from ten backwards. Just I mean, they're sort of constantly tackling, constantly after fellas. So if, you know, what I mean, and I think that's the problem. I think the problem is there's too much fake gray area from the point of view of the tackle and how you're going to to, to ref it. I agree. So I read the whole of the rule book today in 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 preparation. Well, I have another logic for it because on on Wednesday I'm actually uh, through my friend I'm actually sitting the referees' exam. The referee does do tests every so often, so I'm I'm sitting the referees' test on Wednesday. Uh, it's an online uh, test, and I think it's interesting. To be still going as a referee, and this is club football, you have to get over 80% in the test. Now, if I get 80% in the test, I'm still getting one decision in five, you know, that I, <laughs> I might be getting the thing wrong. That's not the greatest percentage, I suppose, in the exam. It's not exactly the same as applying the rules. But knowledge of the rules, I I haven't read the rule book. I'd be fairly sure I won't get 80% in the, in the, in the, in the exam because it is quite complex. Uh, the language on it, is confusing and i know there are guides for referees that are produced and circulated and all that but i i i would not fancy refereeing as you point out a fast game here yeah and would like you know just just on that and i'm going to sort of take a leaf out of morris's book here on 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 on, on the refs i i don't think the rule book is the issue with refereeing um like we nearly have to accept that there's there's going to be a, a, a an error percentage. There, there just is. Where, you know, to, back to your point, there's where human beings are involved. There's going to be mistakes, you know. But I, I think the environment around what refs are operating in is is absolutely crazy, and I think it's. it's what do you mean almost, by that, James? What almost getting dangerous. I, I, I mean at, at some games. Um, yeah. Um, what what refs um, are putting up with? The abuse, what refs are what refs are getting sometimes from on the field players, sometimes from officials, sometimes from crowds. You know, we've seen it over the last. I, I think it's it's escalating, um, particularly at club level. I I think that's that's really dang, it's really dangerous. A product of the age, is it a product? Uh, po- of- possibly, yeah, possibly, yeah, and 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 where where society is a little bit, and like I'd say the association we're we're, we're struggling for referees, mm-hmm. and then. You know, referees that are refing, are they refing with fear a little bit? Are they refing trying to keep a crowd at bay almost? You know, because they're human beings and they can feel the pulse of a mood and an environment. So I think it's a, it's a, that's the serious issue. Um, is, is the referee, the number of referees that we're getting. And like anything, then if you, if there's a, if there's a high number of referees, there'll be a better number of referees that come through the, come through the system. But, but at the moment, I, I, I think we're, we're, we're starting to, to, to see the number of referees really, really diminish. And, and, but, but James, as well as that, even allowing for that in the moment, like it's really, really hard. And I, I, I'll give you an example that you were involved in. And I think you'll probably guess the example I'm going to pick straight away. It's Owen McLaughlin and John Small in Crow Park on that tackle, and you were on the sideline. And you had a very particular angle of it, and Connor Lane had another. And it was an obvious mistake in the end. But in the moment, depending on the angle you were at, and again, it's it, you can see the human fallibility here. Yeah, and, and it's funny. I had a long chat with the with the ref the, a couple of days after after that. We 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 went through it, and and I I completely see his side. Um, 
you this know, is when, Connor's side. Connor, yeah, Connor, yeah, when yeah. He went, when he went through, did he ring you? Uh, he did, yeah, yeah, um, he, he did, and and uh, you know, he wanted to pass on his 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 best wishes to to the to the family and the player as well. So so all, all that side, but he went he went through, which I thought was a was a, was a great thing. And, and look, I won't go into the detail of no, I don't need yeah, that's fine. what he did or didn't messages he did or didn't receive, um, but. Where where he was and 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 again the impact it had on him as a as a as a person um, yeah. was significant when he turned around because if you remember that play I'll I'll never forget it that ball should have ended up in the back of the net or should have been a goal yeah it should have been a shot I can't believe they missed it yeah. so I that was right in my view the tackle everything I was just and going the ball I could see the ball and if that if that went in I don't know how I would react it to be honest if that if that went in the back of the net that would have you know changed the outcome of the game I. I uh, have no doubt about so so uh, but yeah when it went through it there was so much happening and that game was 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 all over the place so so refs got to depend on different things and different people and different information and what they see in the, in a split second um so it's 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 ah uh, I I wouldn't like to do it I wouldn't like to try and do it just just on that as well like you I know mean, I, I recall watching that game at the time and thinking oh that was a great great challenge but that's split second and it's not you see back in the replays afterwards which. I guess as a viewer, have straight away when it's when you saw it, you thought, oh, it was actually a bad, bad challenge. Mm. So, like, I think there's even one thing there alone that referees could can help with. Like, it's impossible for someone with the game so fast where you can be blindsided. Even we had a scenario against Dublin, I think, in 16 with Peter Crowley that got hit blindsided. Again, I can't recall, was, was it David Goff? I can't recall who was refereed. He yeah. just said he got blindsided, that someone ran across his line, didn't see it. And look, that's human nature, and you and you accept it. They come out and they and they say, "Yes, I, it was a mistake. I didn't see it." But again, we could be helping referees by having someone in the stand watching that and just like it's literally thirty seconds. Just blow the game, bring it back, and say that was a free, or yes, that's a red card. That's a bad challenge. And I think we could really help out with referees with that. Since um, again, the problem is we're we're so short of people of officials. Have we got another body to go into the stand to do this? I don't know. And going back to the referees as well, I think it's just one thing that we mentioned about as well is in relation to the rule book. We have referees who are reffing from the rule book, and we have referees who are reffing the game, having played the game themselves and know from experience of what's happening. And I think there's a big difference in the standard of refereeing from someone that's reading the book and someone that has played football. And and the last note is there's not too many people refereeing the games at the moment of past players, past players who have played the game are into county players because they know exactly the pressure that they're under. So I think we have to really do something to protect referees in the game because the way it's going, I don't think we'll have referees and it's going to be an, an awful shortage. Like, what's the youngest age of a referee that's reffing at the moment? Yeah. So. I did um, I did linesman once at a Leinster Championship match. Um, Carlo, Carlo played Mead <laughs> in the under twenty one championship down in Carlo. Um, what did you do in the in the early in the early nineties? And uh, the the great uh, great character, one of the great car- characters of the GA, Noel Cooney, an awfully referee. Um, I was very friendly with his son Patrick, and we went down in the car to watch the match. And I ended up doing linesman. Patrick was doing was doing umpire, and I didn't have a ref. I'd never refereed. I didn't have a referee's uniform, and I ended up. Wearing um, 
a referee, the, the, the clothes of a referee who was about six inches shorter than me and about three stone heavier. So the referee's outfit was a, was simultaneously too big and too small on me as I ran up and down the sideline trying to hold the flag in one hand and hold my pants up in, a, in the other. And it was all fine. Mead were fairly comfortable until about 10 minutes, 15 minutes left, a Mead player was sent off. And I had nothing to do with it. I, I I basically had no impact on on anything that was happening on the day. The ball never seemed to come near our side, and then for the last fifteen minutes, I seemed to have been responsible for everything along that in front of the mid dugout and the mid side of the field. And it was a very, very, very unenjoyable place to be, even though it was a it was a comfortable win in a match that was essentially over. But it was a real insight into to what you get to listen to and what you must endure if you're a referee. And I can only imagine, say for Connor Lane or Seamus Mulhair on, on Sunday, like he, that's a hard position to be in, to, to have a whole, like hundred, like hundred thousand people and more, you know, given out about you. Isn't that right? It's a hard place to be, Morris. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And like, Paul, just to, to go back to what James said there earlier, like there is, there's an element of, I do think, you know, we all want to change the world, but we never want to change ourselves. And I do think there is definitely uh, around this conversation, like there should, it should be okay for us. If you think it's okay to criticize a referee or say objectively that the two decisions in that court Dublin game are wrong, you should also be, I think it's imperative to also add, it makes a referee job a lot harder when you hear some of the calls that are coming out of the stand alongside me on Sunday. Again, I'm not, I'm, this is not calling about anybody else. This is all of us collectively. I think it makes a referee job so much harder when there's people total nonsense on the sideline and they're trying to deal with that their mind was gone on the field like there's a collective onus on everybody to try and make a referee's job easier as opposed to because what we're doing now like the nature of the conversation for the last decade trust me like we're going to be having similar conversations over the next 10 years unless there's definitive action taken to improve it so how do we how do we help that like another small thing you know people often look oh what can we borrow from rugby one thing that i do think works in rugby is referees go or assessors it's not just a forum like they go and sit down with videos and go through things with referees so it's a, there's an actual education forum a, collect, a constant education you're constantly upskilling within that so that it's not you've done this course once there you're qualified there's ability to we bring the bar up collectively so i think there's there's an onus on on all of us without putting fingers necessarily at anybody to try and make uh, as productive an atmosphere as possible for, for referees because otherwise Nothing will change. I, I think there are refresher courses and there are general meetings taking place, Morris. And I know in, in Offaly this year, all the senior footballer for all the senior football managers in the county are being brought in to spend a day on the rules with the referees in the county. And I think that's I think that's a good move in Absolutely, terms of yeah. on in terms of, of of things um in terms of things that, that that can be done. I I wonder though the controversy I don't think it overshadowed the weekend, but it did add it. It did add another layer to it. I wonder. I want to start in in terms of Kerry Mayo and that game. Morris, you were there. How bad were Kerry? Uh, they were abysmal in the first half. Like just, you know, I I just thought they were. Yeah, they were miles off it. I I think it's it's partly understandable. It's very obvious that Mayo have much more work done than Kerry do. Um, Kerry come up on day, so they were kind of knocked around outside waiting for a kid to open on the bus. Um, even just a couple of small things like, you know, we were talking to Jack Connor after and asking about the guys who are absent in terms of injuries. And he mentioned that Agent's plan was off because of work. And, you know, 
if Adrian Spillane worked for NASA, he's not missing a championship game. But so I just think maybe like this is the early days for Kerry. It probably wasn't as much of a onus on it. But even all that said, six starters from last year's final, they were yeah, they were as poor as I've seen in a while. I have to say. Uh, Brian, did Kerry train uh, for the couple of weeks? Uh, did Kerry put in two two weeks of serious dog before the Mayo game? Uh, yeah, I, I believe they trained <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of last week at the weekend off. Yeah, from what, from what I've been told. Yeah, um, I got that from me on McGarrell and TJ Carrey. It looked very much like it looked I very much. Two, like... I love the two boys are laughing here as if we're kind of you no know, trying to <laughs> play this down. <laughs> um, but look. I genuinely think it, it showed carrier way off where they need to be at the moment. And look, I think it happens from the point of view number one, they went on a holiday in in um in early December. You know, so straight away off the bat they were weeks off everyone else. Um and then I suppose you have to the reality is that probably two of the best footballers in the country at the moment were also well for the last couple of games. Um so that doesn't help. But look in, in reality, Kerry were mile off as uh, for where they needed to be the weekend. I thought tactically they were totally outgunned as well. I thought Mayo's tactics were, were fantastic. Um, they really nullified Kerry. No, at the same time, I just think that the fitness was the big difference. The difference. If you, I think someone had a stat there, Mayo put in something like 59 tackles compared to Kerry's 20 or something. And when you consider the possession that Mayo had compared to Kerry, so I think that's the big difference. The work rate that Mayo had was down to the fitness and carry. They were just leggy. They were they couldn't get going. Be it down to the training they had last weekend. I don't know, but look, it, it just shows they're, they're a mile off the pace at the moment. Um, and I suppose the other concern I would have is we played Donegal the first round, lost above uh, to Donegal. Probably should have won it, but again, we played Monaghan after that and Killarney beat Monaghan. Look, I think in reality, they're two of the worst teams in in, in the Division 1 at the moment. I think they're the two teams that are going to struggle to survive. And and I think that's where Kerry kind of realised now exactly where, they, where, where they're at. So I think next Saturday night's game against Armagh is a massive game for massive. Kerry. Would, massive you, game. would you stick with the Donald Sullivan? Would you stick with Roach? Or would you? are you saying, Shawnee O'Shea, David Clifford, in you go? They have no choice but to put him in now. You know, I think we spoke here a couple of weeks ago of what would happen after they, they lost Tony Gall. And I said, that's exactly what happens. You, know, you lose your first game, all of a sudden you go knocking at all these fellas to get them back in because otherwise you're in a dogfight for the rest of the, the, the campaign in the league. And and sometimes six points can get you into trouble. doesn't mean it's all coming up to scoring that or hit the heads or whatever way it does. Um, you know, so it, I, I've no doubt in my mind that, that, that they'll all start um, at, at, um, next Saturday night because Kerry can't afford to lose a home game. Uh, I think they've they've only three home games um, this year, so they they've won one of them. I think they have to win the next one uh, because if they don't, they're going to be in a, in a right dog fight. But at the same time, they're still not at the pace of the game that they need to be at, and I still think it'll be it, it's going to be a very tight game the next next Saturday night in in Tralee. And I think the one thing Kerry are going to need, and I think you could see it above in Castlebar uh, the last night. You say it was an unbelievable atmosphere, um, and that does help. With a home team, I think Mayo put in the performance, and I think you have to. It's two ways we spoke about it ourselves before. You have to give something to the crowd for the crowd to get on to to to, to get on their back or to to know to 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 get you going. You have yeah. to if they see something from the players in the field, all of a sudden the the crowd will respond and they'll they'll, they'll go with you. And I think that's exactly what Mayo did at the weekend above in Castlebar. They showed an appetite and a hunger. The All Ireland champions were in town, and, and they went after it. And I think. Going back to my time when Dublin were coming to Tralee or, or Mayo were coming to Tralee at time, you know, 
Yeah, we saw that at the championship game. They don't a marker. We're going after the All Ireland champions here in Dublin. We laid down a marker to them, and it's a boost for for morale within the, within our own camp as well. And I think that's exactly what it was above in Castlebar last night. Mayo had the All Ireland champions coming to town. Let's lay down a marker for ourselves here. Let's give ourselves a boost that we know we can beat these fellas, and that's exactly what they did. So, um, in fairness, I think Mayo they're they're in a, they're in a good place. I think they're um, definitely. I suppose the only concern I think they would have now is they would, they'd be looking at league final. Do they want to go to a league final? That close to playing the first round of the kind of championship. So I think, but they're in a good position now. I think they can afford to start you know, playing a few other players, give a few squad players a bit of game time to see if they can unearth one or two more fellas. But um, Kerry, are they going to stick with the, the, the young guns? I think that's the only problem that Kerry have at the moment. Is yeah. And I feel very sorry for likes of Don Sullivan and Dara Roach and these fellas. I'd love to be able to see them fellas playing alongside the David Clifford and the Sean O'Shea outside him and a, and a party Clifford alongside him. Joe, because I think then you get the opportunity of playing with established players and I think you'll be able to see just how good they actually are. But sometimes when you're missing those established players and you don't have them around you, sometimes... There's trouble around the middle as well though, Brian, isn't it? There's trouble around the middle. There is, there is, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at the, the Mayo midfield, Matthew Moran and, and Dermot O'Connor, they got render show the last night. But again, what I like about them, they're two... They, they do both. They go both ways. They'll defend, yeah. they'll tackle, but they'll also put you in the back foot. They, they, they'll put you on the back foot, yeah. They will. Is Stephen McCumber worth a look? To be honest, I just haven't seen enough of him. I just think, unfortunately, he, he was away and he came back and got injured last year. Um, and I just haven't seen enough of him. He's a great athlete, but I don't know football-wise what he's going to bring to the game going forward. I can see Kerry possibly having to bring Sean O'Shea out to midfield. I think it could be an option that there are something they may have to do Put party on the fork and bring Shawnee out to shape the midfield if they can't get midfield nailed down. No, look, I know you've um Dermot O'Connor to come back into the fray for Kerry as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that that's another plus that they'll have there. But it isn't it is a concern, I think, because Barry O'Sullivan and Jack Barry at the moment are very similar. They're both kind of sitting holding defensive midfielders, work hard. But I think we're missing that that other option, that attacking option that Fellas is going to get the ball and 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 look look in, kick ball inside and also put Make those runs from deep from from midfield. David Moore used to come on the, on, on, on the late run. He'd kick a couple of scores. Great kick passer as well. Always looking to go direct. So I think that's what maybe Kerry is slightly missing at the moment. And I think they may have to turn to Sean O'Shea as the year goes on if they can't seem to get that middle of the field nailed down. Um, James, what did Mayo do differently? Um... Uh, just maybe first on, on on the Kerry thing, like if you're Jack O'Connor, you're you're still regardless of the the load coming into that game, you still wouldn't be happy. Yeah. Um, one one thing is load and not being at the the pace of the game. That's one thing. But I just thought Kerry in the first half, I thought, and you don't say this very often. I thought their attitude was off. Um, they were slow the ball. They wanted to pass it backwards. They sort of very little interest in 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 penetrating or going forward. Uh, I thought I thought everything about them was 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 a bit off. So, yes, load and um, heavy training is one aspect of it. But you'd still you'd still like to see as a manager that you'd still like to see the fight and the competitiveness and and whatever. And, and that's what I'm most surprised at. I, I knew they'd be heavy loaded because look, they're all Ireland champions. Everything that goes with that, they're straight back into a season. They're, they're going to be, they're probably four to six weeks at least, I'd say, behind behind a lot of other teams. Absolutely acceptable. But you'd still expect um, more more of a fight, I would say. Or, and and that's, what I'm, that, that's what I was surprised at the most. But but as regards Mayo, um, they're, they're the opposite of where, where Kerry are at, I'd say, condition-wise. 
Um, you, you see it in some of their players. You know, Jordan Finn st- stands out at. at mm. I'd I'd love to see the stats um, from the from from the game. You, you're, you're talking February and 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 the 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 area that he covered was was phenomenal and it was all high speed running it wasn't just you know old league style moseying around you know um it was it was serious serious stuff and, and a lot of the players you know very sharp very well prepared skills were very good you know i, I mentioned that, you know jim with the connor's hand pass in for for james carr's goal a lot of people but those left hand hand pass floated at just the right angle so james could take it on the on, on the full facing goal cutting in and and you know he created it so the, that's a really high skill level to to do that you, you know um so, so a lot of that's very good so above everything their prep and their preseason has them in an unbelievable position i i think you know anyone that's a, that that's been involved will will, will will know that or you you can see that um i i think structurally they're they're definitely more conscious um of getting defensive earlier um they're still on opposition kickouts they're still pressing very high and pressing initially but you'll see you know as phase one phase two of the kickout goes in you'll see guys maybe on the far on the far side or the easy sides call it going back earlier you know so so you'll have a midfielder or a wing forward forward the other side going back early so the Connor Loftus can 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 drop into as like a semi sort of um sweep sweeper role there so but you have, you have matthew ruan you have jordan flynn and you have jim o'connor who who are three monsters of, of of athletic players so they're they're their defensive read is very good and they're they're getting there they're early and then you can you saw there was a lot of clips on on, on league sunday last night of as soon as mayo do win the ball or you know connor office was getting the ball in position there was a huge intense counter counter attack you know stretching and stretching the opposition the length of the field so so i think that aspect of it that's there's a good understanding there between those three players i think in particular jeremy jordan and and, and and matthew that are allowing connor to be in a, in a, in a, in a to read the defensive position um early so so that's a that that looks looks good so far uh, the rest of it i think is is based on their their prep and their fitness levels that's where a lot of the good stuff is is is, is really coming from I just I just think there uh, that James as well. Um, you were on about you know Kerry were very passive. I think that was down to to to, to Mayo in fairness because I thought to be as you said they condensed the pitch the, the full forward line dropped to the forty five. It allowed a few fellas to drop back and Connor Loftus become free. But there was the work rate of those fellas in the middle third that Kerry had no choice but to go over and back the field because I just think that middle third was so condensed between their own forty five and the opposition sixty five. That every time Kerry put a ball or Kerry tried to kick ball in, but it was so congested inside her that you know, the inside backs then were so tight that any slip of a ball or spill of a ball, there was a male man to pick it up. But again, I just think the fitness toll in the end was they were able to go back and they were able to go back up the field again in, 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 so, in, in so quickly that it just killed Kerry. It just killed Kerry could not do the, the fitness that was there. And even watching the Cork and Dublin game, I think it's something that I've noticed in the, on those two games is the high press seems to be kind of slightly after being reduced or further back the field to the middle third. I think Dublin were very much the same, but I couldn't get over even Dublin, the amount of sharply coast they conceded to Cork. But what they did was they set up the defensive line across the 45, condensed the middle third of the field. And you find a lot of teams when they find it hard to do it. It's just that you're not getting killed in a counter-attack or teams aren't getting out with a hand pass or a kick pass. And all of a sudden, you're six players out of it or six forwards or you're five forwards taking out of the game. So something interesting I found with Mayo, it would definitely, it was something that nullified Kerry. They couldn't get their kicking game going. 
and and I think that was really what what killed them. Just briefly, Paul, before uh, you move off that game, on what James and Brian said there, I do think the like you don't want to individualize players, and it was uh, collectively it was a bad performance. But the idea that uh, O'Sullivan or Roach to be the players dropped from this game, I think it, it kind of misses the points. Like James, you wrote about this at the weekend as well. I do think there's. This time last year, if you look at this Kerry squad, there was definitely players like Jack Connor put out a stall early. He was going to win every game. There was very little variance in his team selection. So there was players who had a legitimate gripe or who could claim, we, we haven't really got our chance to impress this new management. Now, those players who've been exposed, have been around this squad for a long time, for a, a number of years now, they no longer have a case. Like they, the three games now, you were given your chance, to my mind. And some of them, and now there's... Does it, so I, 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 O'Sullivan and Roach are new, are relatively new players. I know Roach is 27. Uh, that is O'Sullivan down, I think he's 23, but they're, they're, been, they're only a year or two. There's players who are there a lot longer who didn't take their chance, who were taken off at half time, who I think they're the guys who would need to be looking over the shoulder rather than these younger players. Because there's guys, lads, there's, there's other players coming, like there's other players chomping at the pit. I'll give you an example, right? I was at Field Rangers played Austin Stacks in the qualifying this year. It was a game, the famous game where Stacks lost or ended up. Relegation. There was a qualifying before Crokes played Dingle, and there was a guy playing midfield at the pulling the strings. He was incredible, Barry Matney. And a lot of people know him in Kerry as a hurler. He actually played in Crow Park in the Joe McDonough Cup final. And and I know for a fact that you know Bennett and Malumbi, the Kerry hurlers, were begging him to come back this year, and he said no because he wanted to go in with the footballers. He, this it was his goal to get into football, and he hasn't even seen a squad yet. And he that day in Austin in Tralee, he was incredible. Now, there's guys like that, a middle third player who are chomping at the bit, ready to come. And they, they're the, I think it's those players who've been around and they've had their chance now. They need to be looking over their shoulder rather than maybe a couple of new guys, guys making their debuts around the, the fringes of the panel. Because those guys, it's inevitable. Like in a game like that, the fight was lost in the middle of the field. It's, the, it's a short thing you'll take off a corner forward, but I don't necessarily think the problem is in your corner forward. Yeah. It's further out that there's an issue. So I think there's. It's a broader thing that if you're as a chief takeaway from that, I think it's those guys who might um, might be feeling the heat now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Marshall. I just I just think that if you have an established team, like if you're playing four or five of those fellas together, it's tough on them. I'd love to yeah. see them get their chance. You know, when you have a Sean O'Shea and you have a, a David Clifford and you have a Potter Clifford inside and let them play with those good players and see how they get on. I think it's very hard sometimes when you're putting... When everyone's to, trying to make uh, a team, yeah. to a sort of depleted <laughs> side. At the end of the day, you're, you're you're gone from playing with those players who are, who are at that level to playing on the crowd at this level. I'd love to be able to say, right, go in here alongside David Clifford, have Sean O'Shea around you, and have Dermot O'Connor, and then they'll see how you play. Because I think, you know, those fellas they'll inspire those younger fellas. They'll they'll help them along, and all of a sudden they're playing a bit better when you're you're going up to Castle Power and you've got sixteen thousand, seventeen thousand people. You know, roaring down top of you. It's a hostile environment. It's a hard place to go. And yes, I do agree. You do find laugh out about our character. Some fellas will go hiding and some fellas will go missing and some fellas will put their hand up. But I just still feel I find that sometimes you're just going to, some fellas going to miss out here on an opportunity that's based on one or two games. Whereas I'd love to see him given the opportunity to play with a more established team. But look, as I said, that's, that's Jack's call. It's um, Division one is interesting. I think. Galway, you didn't go to show for Galway afterwards, James, did you on Sunday afternoon? <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't get there, didn't get, didn't get there, didn't no. Get the okay, so, I, 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 I rang my trusted source though, so I had a good, good run down. Yeah, they, 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 they the, weather, the weather was too bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's a <laughs> good win. The good win for Galway uh, against against Rowan with, with when you consider the inside forwards, they're missing. I think Monaghan 
a good win against Donegal and Roscommon. We spoke a lot about Roscommon last week, and we're going to come back to Roscommon next week and the week after. That was a really another impressive win, and they're they're essentially safe now. They're they're not going to be relegated, and that's that gives you a, a way to to build into the season. But I think the big games of the weekend, apart from Kerry Mayo, were in Division Two, um, and. Cork Dublin, we've spoken a little bit about the controversy, but I think that the controversy it it has overshadowed to some extent the extent to which Cork put it up to Dublin for long stretches of this game, James. And it suggests two things, I think, that Dublin have have not progressed, um, with the exception of the, the kicker in this is Jack McCaffrey and James McCarthy came in towards the end of the game and and Jack in particular looked looked fantastic for those 15 minutes. Um, but the Cork have have looked like they're beginning to find something in the early stages. Would you agree with that? I think so, yeah. I, I think so. I, I'm just I I say that with a caveat. I'm still not sure of the consistency. You know, I, I know that probably drive Cork people mad, but but there's definitely, I think, a change. There's definitely um, uh, some of those younger players coming through, you, you know, that we've seen over, over, over the last number of games, uh, and there's just piles of them there, that I don't know if it's uh, confidence or that they don't care what's happened over the last few years or, you know, maybe their Sigerson success or... I, I just think there's a confidence maybe about some of those 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 players that have... new players that have come through that... That maybe you know has lifted the overall mood of where Cork are because for the last couple of years Cork have been, I'd say, it must have been one of the most loneliest places to be as a Cork Cork Intercounty Senior Footballer. You, you know there was there was everything was wrong and it seemed you know it was a burden and you know that kind of feel that sometimes yeah. a, a, a team gets. But I just think now with with, with John Cleary. Um, you know, good with Uncle Dare, very competitive and could have snuck it and maybe should have snuck it, you know, yesterday. Um, new quality players. I'm just thinking of some of them that I noted, you know, Marshanley, Mahoney, Walsh, you know. Corbett just coming look, in again. Corbett, yeah, Corbett coming in. looks really, really dangerous, you know. Um, so they've definitely changed the mood. And I'd say it's a happier camp. I'd say training's better. I think Cleary knew. Um, I, I just think it's it, it, it's changed and 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 look, you know, Roshan Division Two is going to is going to be tough, but but um, I think if they're competitive in every game and you know you can see progress in, in in each game, which that's the challenge for them now. You know, they were competitive yesterday. Right? What can they do next week? What can they build on and be a little bit better on? Um, next week, and I think that's that's where they've they've got to got, got to be. But I do think there's something, there's definitely something diff- different about this group. Yeah, and you can see Kevin Walsh's imprint on it, Morris, with the the loaded kick out to one side. Um, that 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 one where he told us last year or two years ago on the podcast that he had 24 different variations of that single kick out where they they loaded up based on player um, presentation. Uh, etc. And again, the defensively, they looked better in, in, in this. Do you see this as the beginning of a Cork Renaissance? Um, a Cork Renaissance? Whoa, that's a big declaration. Um, so I think if you look at a league campaign, Paul, you want two things. You want you want to win games, obviously, and you want to develop a squad. So there's very few teams who are doing both right now. Roscommon actually are, as it happens. But now I think 
just as James mentioned, there are two players I'd actually throw in on top of that. I thought um, down that right side, Fahey and McSweeney were brilliant. The, yeah, yeah, I thought Fahey, Fahey looked tremendous. Um, so, uh, so th- that's you know to see those developing you know, that they're not reliant on the same old faces is uh, is definitely a good thing. As you mentioned, uh, I, by all accounts, Kevin Walsh has been very well received there, and there's definitely evidence of that. Uh, at the same time, I know it's a it's a totally unfair comparison, but this just isn't the same Dublin. Like, it, it, and we're it keeps batting us over the head with it, and we keep seeing it. And I just thought if you compare the two minutes before. The very first goal, the, the like Max Taylor, brilliant kick, long kick pass. Just before that, so that's a, a team, a high turnover, a boss turnover. It's an immediate kick pass when a defense is exposed. That's how so many goals are scored right now. Just before that, Dublin had a very similar chance. I don't know if you remember it. The ball went in, it was intercepted by the keeper. Yep. They broke and come across slow, head down, soul win, like not even a look. It's just so unlike this Dublin team. There's so many things you see. Their reliance on the short kick out, the... You know, they kick one ball into Conor Callum the first, he wins it. You think, wow, this is going to, we're going to finally see them unlock him. They don't do it again. Brian Fenton kicking on his back foot from outside the 45, a wide, missing from 21 on his left foot, a wide. This, it's just not, it's, a, it's an unfair comparison, but it's the same players, but it's not the same flow and game plan that we see off from this previous Dublin. So, um, but yeah, look, I, you know, Cork will take a lot of heart out of it, but at the same time, it was, it was a loss. And I, I just don't think it was, I don't think it's the same barometer that it would have been a couple of years ago in regards to this Dublin team. Nervous, Brian? <laughs> uh, um, nervous. Look, I still think they're not going to, I think, to be carried, but I think that the, the difference they have been in, in the last two years is is massive. You know, I was I was very impressed with them, to be honest with you, to, to straight up. I know, Morris, you're kind of saying Dublin aren't the same Dublin team, but, you know, that's... That's for Dublin are now at the moment. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think I genuinely think that. I think what Dublin had above everyone else, they had a panel. I mean, the subs they were bringing in just to finish off games would walk into most county teams, and I think that was the difference for me before. They just had a group of squad of players that just was un- unmatchable. Now all of a sudden they're trying to rebuild, they're trying to get new players, and all of a sudden, I don't think they're 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 nowhere near what was there before them. And the big thing about it is they still relied on. Jack McCaffrey, um, James McCarthy, James McCarthy, and Brian Finton to kick the last couple of scores to see him out over the line. You know, so yes, I agree with you. They're not the same Dublin team as there before, but at the same time, all Cork can do is compare themselves against what's what there. Cork are, are really going to put up the carry. I think they've improved massively. I don't know. If there's not going to be a walkover in the Munster Championship if carrying Cork meet by by no stretch of imagination. Like I thought, the big difference now at the moment with Cork is. What Kevin Walsh has brought is the structure. Even from the first day against Meath, where they conceded those goals, like the, the, just chalk and cheese compared to the first day, compared to their setup uh, yesterday against Dublin. They were way more structured, way more tighter at the back. But what I liked about them is that they they, they mixed their game. They, they were able to to do the running game, but they also split up Dublin open with a couple of fantastic long kicking. Um, you know, so I think they, they have. They are very impressed with with Matty Taylor. His energy around the field, the goal yeah. he got. He was excellent. I'd love to see the. We spoke about um, Jordan Flynn with his stats. I'd love to see the stats as well and like Savon McSweeney and Brian O'Driscoll mm. and then Sean Bowter. I thought the ground they covered up and down the field. And no wonder I think Owen McSweeney and, and Sean Bowter were, were taken off because the ground they covered, like Sean Bowter is going from centre forward back the field to sweep. And yet, not. He's one of the first fellas that's gone on the front foot again when they turn over the ball. So 
that's something they may need to look at. It's a lot of ground for him to cover, and he's a big important player for them. I just think they need to figure out whether they want him to sweep. Can he sweep from maybe a wing back position rather than from 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 centre forward and trying to get up the field? But um, I suppose the only concern I would have for Cork probably would be the scoring power. Um, I think Stephen Sherlock was was well marshaled yesterday. Um, I know he kicked ten points there in in, in against Mead or whatever, but yeah. Look, he was well, he was well marshaled yesterday. I think he's he's marker Darren Newcomb kicked two points off him as well from play. I think he forced his kicking a bit. Yeah, he forced um, it. I was just going to say he went. Yeah, he, he just yeah. forced. I think he you know I think if he if he settled off and got one score, he might have kicked on. I think he just forced the issue too much. Um, and I think look, Brian Hurley thought was outstanding. Eight points. Hmm. Uh, I think he caused a mountain of trouble, and he's 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 direct. He's very strong. Kick left and right. He'll he'll cause trouble. But I think as when you go on in this season. You'll you'll manage to mark one forward. You'll manage to mark two forwards, and I think that's where they're going to struggle is to get somebody else to pop up the scores. Now, in fairness, uh, Chris Ogdrones, full forward, I liked him. Thought he was good. He 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 moved well, short for ball, one ball. But I just wonder where the scores are going to come from. Um, if you come up against a good top team, like I would expect, the carry backs to to really curtail uh, Sherlock and Brian Hurley. No, I'm not going to say you're going to keep them scoreless, but I don't think you're going to. Allowed them to kick eight or ten points each, you know what I mean? So um but look, I think it's massive improvement. I tell Colin McCallan middle of the field as well was it was is another big find for, for Cork. Great athletes up and down the field, big strong units. Um so for me, I think there's a way more pluses for Cork coming out of out of the league. And um to be honest, I think their their big thing this year though is really put up the carry and have a right goal at, at the Monster. I think they'll come up short, but then I think have a right cut off the how many points the how much will they lose by? I look at thirty days. Yes, I need to. If we were to compare to Kerry yesterday, Saturday night to Cork, <laughs> you know, it's 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 too early to go into yet. So uh, look, by the way, until we we'll see come back, yeah, we we we'll come back to that. You can tell the us the margin. You tell us the margin <laughs> closer today, yeah, yeah. Morris. Morris, you were in. Um, you were in Ennis, and I saw the scoreline with maybe fifteen minutes left. Clare were six points up, and I was thinking to myself, "What have Kildare done now? They're in. They're in a lot of bother." And then it all turned. Yeah, it was end of day stuff. Like Ben McCormack was sent off for a high tackle. Deserve very good, deserving call. The referee got that one right. Um, ben McCormack, they were down to fourteen men. They were six down. There was like little spats all over the field. You know, their sideline was getting worked up. First time I ever seen Johnny Doyle biting back at um McClare selectors. Like it was, it really felt like they were put to their pin of their collar. And it was just their old. You know, you talk about developing squads. It wasn't necessarily. It wasn't any of their new faces. It was. The old dogs for the hard road who's stalwart stood up. Nico Grady, like lads, I don't know, is there a pound for pound a better defender in the country? He is unbelievable. He's so good at he marshals players really well, but he also knows when to come across and double up and force turnovers. Uh, he was absolutely unbelievable. Dan, Dan, they brought on Daniel Flynn and Neil Flynn between them, they kicked six points. Uh, just they were playing with the breeze in the second half, long way shooting after kind of you know, really struggling to break down. Claire were getting back, getting a lot of bodies back, and they were kind of shooting pot shots from range, which weren't working out. The two boys came out, made a massive difference. Kevin Feely, for the first time in since he ruptured his Achilles, played all seventy minutes. He broke a final kick out, and Neil Flynn took off. There was a contested foul, but that was the that was the winner. And suddenly, the the frame for Claire all changes. Like the Ben Ryan was absolutely beaming after the game. Was a lot more positive. Uh, they're starting to look up. Claire now we're looking over the shoulders at. I think they have Derry and Dublin away, so suddenly that you know they they start to look down when yeah they go and play Dublin and Croke Park next next Saturday evening like that that's a big ask yeah huge yeah one thing that's interesting Paul like we could we could do a whole podcast on this but just if you look across the weekends take out the Roscommon result so if you look back on last year in the championship 
in I think 83% of games, I was writing about this at the weekend, the team that was winning at halftime went on to win the game. A halftime lead, like that might seem obvious, but it's absolutely uh, invaluable. Now, some people might say, well, that's because of the disparity within the football championship, but the Talton Cup was even more. It was 87% of games where a team was winning at halftime went on to win the game. At the weekend, I think it was about 65%. But if you take out the Ross Common game in every single other game where a team was, went on to win the game or was not winning at halftime, it was they were a they were a favourite. So I'm talking about like Westmead here. I'm talking about Wexford, um, Loud, the yeah. Kildare, uh, Kildare and Monaghan. All those those, things, those teams were favourites, and they played against the wind in the first half. So played with the wind in the first half. I know it's a small sample size, but it's still interesting that they were all favourites. They all decided to play with the wind in the second half. Let the underdogs have it in the first half and come out and have a, a crack with them. I actually there's, and there's similarities in structures between. It was interesting to see, you know. Clare in the first half, playing against the wind, give Clare the short kick out, let them run the ball up. Playing with the wind, it actually works because you can get scores and Clare can't kick into that breeze so they don't get scores. But in the second half, Galway did the exact same thing actually as it happens, was short every kick out in the first half. In the second half then, you're in trouble. Like You kind of need to vary that so much. You can't continue to carry the ball into the defence and rely on them to shoot from range because they actually can do that. So all of those teams did the exact same thing. The, the problem for a team like Clare is that I... I don't, you know, you're not unearthing anything. It's the same guys who are stepping up again and again and again. So, and they can do it, you know, against Clare away in Park. That's the type of result that I think has sparked a season. But when you drill down into it, I still think they, you would, from a Clare perspective, you would hope to unearth a bit more in the, in this league campaign. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another, though, t- another division, though, where you see other teams coming to the fore as well. And Derry probably favourites to go up with Dublin, but they've got a tough couple of games coming, James. And I watched Derry and Mead on on Saturday and uh, people were talking about giving out about Mead kicking the ball in and kicking the ball away into the Derry crowd and all that. I thought it kind of missed the point. I don't think the issue was that they kicked the ball in. I thought they were so inaccurate in their kicking and in their hand passing that they ran themselves into trouble time and again by just really poor skill execution. And I was reading Christy O'Connor. Christy O'Connor, great article in the Examiner today for a couple of different bits to it. But one of the things he was talking about was Meade's skill execution. Did you find that when you started with Mayo, with that long term, that the skill execution was poor and that you then had to build it? Oh, 100%. You know, we mentioned Dublin. Like, if you go back to them, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. If you go back to Dublin at their peak, their skill execution was at a level that's, I keep saying this, that Gaelic has never been played at before. Yeah. Um, both sides, their balance, their decision-making, everything around it, their, their, their skills, both feet, foot passing, completion rates, you know, score rates, um, everything was just at, 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 at a really high level. So that's, they were there, they set the bar as, as, as regards that. When, when I came in with Mayo first, I remember the first six months, I'd say, Pretty much the majority of the training sessions were, were developing your non-dominant side, hand pass and, and, and foot pass. That's that was back in two thousand and eleven. That's where we spent the majority of our time just on on the on the basic skills. Um, you know, the running and the development and the conditioning is is pretty straightforward. Um, but the, the skill the skill levels when I got in weren't weren't at the level needed to play the game that we needed to, to play. So so a huge a huge amount done on that and. When you're coming up through through the divisions, or we, when you have a new team coming in that mightn't have played much Division One or Division Two, 
it's 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 where you get found out first. You you know you you tend to you know try things or or make decisions or or try and execute skills that it's not on. You know the the decision isn't on or the play isn't on or or, or whatever it is and. Basically, well, there's a double whammy out of that. You lose the ball and you just generate momentum and confidence for the, for, for, for the opposition. So it's a real, real uh, steep learning curve when you when you start to play teams. And like Derry are probably one of the most efficient or effective teams um, that, you, that you're going to come across. You know, there's no nonsense. There's no messing. There's a, there's a system. They know what they're doing. They're not going to make too many too many mistakes. So when, when maybe a newish... Slightly naive team come in and play them. They're going to get gobbled up, and and and, and they were. They were just just simply gobbled up. But can I just go back to Kildare for a minute? But just yeah, sure. What what a situation for Glen Ryan to be in? Like with with uh, you know five minutes to go, it was sort of doomsday, and you know end up winning the game. Kevin Feely back, Neil Flynn back, Daniel Flynn, Daniel back. Flynn back. Da 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 da, and everything goes with that. You bounce into training on Tuesday night, and you're you're looking forward and. You know that's surely a catalyst for them to get everything they possibly can out of the season. As Derry at home, I'm Derry at home right. next Sunday. But you, you look, you look forward to that. What, what, a, yeah. what a battle to have! What is not the one you want, sort of at home after coming off a game like that? So, it, you know, let's let, let's see how that goes. You know, so so uh, good good position for Kildare. I think, I, think, yeah, I, I think that game Kildare and Derry will tell out about where Kildare are at. Yeah, because oh, I think you know, they, they go only push Dublin to Crow Park. They come in get high, get a, get a height by Cork at home. All of a sudden, they come back from five, six points down and, and get and be cleared home. So there's a bit of inconsistency where they're at. I think Derry are, are well down the line of their development. Um, so I think that game next weekend is going to really tell Kildare where where they're at. In in the in the other match in that division, Loud uh, beat Limerick by two points, and probably Limerick are now in in a lot of trouble for going straight back down in Division Three. Um, Antrim beat Tape, of course, down uh, where where beaten by a point by Fermanagh I think is a big result and it means that the down Westmeath game next weekend is massive for promotion from uh, Division 3 Cavan look a class apart um, in that game I'm uh, I'm in denial about the Westmeath awfully game so we'll move quick actually James I have a question for you I have a question for you there's a minute gone in the first half of a match your goalie gets a black card what do you do? Well, the first minute. The first minute, your goalie gets a black card. What's your plan? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Obviously, if you replace your goalie, you're losing two subs. Um, yeah. That that early, ah, uh, you got to go with the replacement keeper. That early, I, I would. If it was late in the half or whatever, um, um, probably probably see it out. But a black card after a minute, um, yeah. I'd probably go with I'd probably go with the, uh, with the subkeeper. Okay, yeah, awfully, Just, awfully, awfully brought on the subkeeper. Took off corner forward, brought on a subkeeper, and then ten minutes later, brought back off. Yeah, the yeah, subkeeper and put yeah, back on the corner forward and put on the goalie. And so lost two subs in the first play, and we're playing yeah. in, playing with the wind, and we're ten minutes down. So it was one of those starts that's um, it's a really tricky one, though, right? It's a tricky, yeah. it's a tricky. Yeah, tricky, we've tricky often talked through game. that and what the different scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that's really early in the game now. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want a, a soft goal to go in if you you know if you have a cornerback put in there or something like that in the game. You're chasing the whole game. Then you know. My money, Brian. My sorry, Morris. One second. My money, Morris or Brian says that um, 
Eamon Fitzmaurice would have put you in goals if that uh, if that situation was happening. For the kick goes, for the kick goes only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Morris. Probably... You would never keep me either. I'd be like Rafferty. I'd be booked to yeah. be looking to take off. <laughs> no way, I'm sitting in there. Yeah, go <laughs> and play centre forward. That's it. <laughs> but even to be landed in, I should have mentioned that at the very end of the when Clare had 15 players in the field, but the very last place, Stephen Ryan, the ball went back to the, they tried to do the keep ball thing, tried to close out the game. Uh, he was turned over, foot tripped, black cards, and Claire had used all their subs. And so, so, so what do you do? There was a, a debate for a couple of minutes. Eventually, Emmett McMahon, who was one of the most composed footballers out the fields, anybody who watched you well this year would have seen, one of the most composed footballers out the field, went in goals, had two kickouts. He slipped for both. It, like, no fault of his own, but that, that was the one that freely broke that Flynn went up to the score. To be landed in that situation is, if you can think, you can talk that through, you can plan all you want, but when the pressure's on and you're yeah. watching a six-point lead slip to five to four to three to two to one and suddenly you're back and goals and everything's going wrong it's 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 a cruel spot to be i i bet you if claire had a substitution reserve they would have tried to get a in that, that situation because it's just it's a horrible spot to be i think for for any outfield player to suddenly be landed in and regardless of how much you know game scenarios you, you work through and all that kind of thing just when the, the pressure's on it's it's different entirely i would never do it myself let's be honest division four um wicklow um Marshall by Oshin McConville um, beat London. Sligo beat Watford. Leitrim, Leitrim were well beaten by Wexford, which was a, a, a bit of a surprise. And Leach eventually got the better of Carlo. I suppose Leach, it's Leach, Leach and Sligo now leading the way in that with Leitrim and, and Wicklow coming up behind. And again, big games, um, big, big, big games next weekend. And we'll be back. Uh, early next week uh, on Monday to look at all of those games and to see um, to see if the rules are applied any differently in the coming weekend <laughs> and we'll see how the four of us get on in the referees test on on Wednesday Wish thank you, you well, to Paul. yeah thanks very much James thank you I'm, rep- I'm very proud to be representing you um, thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast to Raf Rocket to Jack Neville to Tony Lean and everyone at Examiner Sport thanks to Allianz for their uh, continued support. A huge thanks to James Horn, to Brian Sheehan, and to Morris Brosnan for joining us today. By image, Hernashka Lua. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues.